Blog Talk Radio. Do you believe that death is the end? Or is it just a new beginning? A new beginning. Does our soul continue to evolve? Or is it buried six feet under? Spiritual encounters and unexplained phenomena have intrigued people for centuries. But what if you could find the answer? Right here. Right here. Right now. Right now. Welcome to Heavenly Encounters. Heavenly Encounters. Where we will talk with everyday people who have had extraordinary experiences and gifted souls that see beyond the veil. Beyond the veil. Together, we'll diminish our fear of death explore our soul's evolution, and soften the crippling grief that accompanies loss. Heavenly Encounters. You, our listeners, will discover a new world. A new world. A fresh reality. A fresh reality. Just a whisper away. Heavenly Encounters. So take a deep breath and join us on this fascinating adventure. This is Heavenly Encounters. Heavenly Encounters. A journey to the other side. Heavenly Encounters. Welcome to Heavenly Encounters, a journey to the other side. I am your host, Mary Elizabeth, broadcasting from Chicago, Illinois. And I'm your co-host, Janice, broadcasting live from St. Louis, Missouri. Well, today we have a very interesting show about intuition and how you can ignite this powerful gift that we all have. Now, most people have heard about mother's intuition, but the story you are about to hear from our guest is mind-blowing, to say the least. Not one, but three near-death experiences shaped her life and activated her intuitive abilities and gifts, including her ability to talk to fetuses in the womb. Now, Janice, when we think about intuition, most, most likely you, you don't really think of it as a heavenly encounter, but it really is, isn't it? It is a lot of times because especially when you're having a near-death experience, you're out of your body. So, mm-hmm. it's all, you know, you're, you're not limited by your physical body and you have the ability to pick up and to be touched or to touch anything on the other side and bring it back with you. Well, right, too, but when you think about intuition, you think of kind of like your gut feeling. But actually, right. it's really coming from your higher self, from your guides, from your angels, isn't it? Yes, Absolutely. Okay, well, our guest, Robin Alexis, is a medium, channel, medical intuitive, clairvoyant, past lives reader, and a metaphysical mother and baby whisperer. She has written two books, Robin's Song and Raising Humanity, and has appeared on numerous radio and television shows. Robin has also done a variety of work for governmental agencies such as the FBI and the CIA, as well as law enforcement departments. Currently, she's the creator and host of Mystic Radio with Robin Alexis out of Mount Shasta, California on KKNW. Robin, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm really happy to be here. Welcome. Thank you. Well, you know what? So many children have what you call mystical experiences, which your parents and so many others write off as kind of an overact of imagination. How did that shape your childhood? It was awful, actually, because they were denying who I authentically was. And so I developed at a very young age thinking that there was something wrong with me. And further, I I was raised to believe that what I was naturally gifted at was Mm -hmm. evil. And so if you're a little child and you feel like you're responsible for 
being connected with evil, that's pretty daunting. Yeah. Well, and plus you were, I mean, you went to church every Sunday, you were a Christian, and you know, I was reading your book, Robin's Song, and you were just co- totally convinced that you were on the fast track to hell. Absolutely. I, so tell us about your first near-death experience. Well, I was at a local uh, river pretending to swim. I was actually trying to teach myself <laughs> uh, how to swim, and uh, I got myself to a place called the drop-off, and I wasn't able to get back to shore. And it was very terrifying because I was sinking and sinking and sinking and trying to, you know, get back to the surface of the water. And then all of a sudden I saw a fairy. It was like the one in the Walt Disney movie we used to watch on uh, TV Sunday night. Little Tinkerbell. Yes. And she waved her hand and I saw my body floating in the water and I saw my hair moving in the river currents and my body was motionless. And then I began to see a movie of my present life and then went back into the womb and then it went back into other lives playing backwards. And then all of a sudden I saw a man with long brown hair and a white robe floating towards me. And he wasn't in the water. He was in the air. And his Mm -hmm. robe billowed out and he approached me and I said, who are you and where are your feet? You must (laughs) come to save me from drowning. And he smiled at me. And then the next moment, I was sitting on a stone bench uh, under some olive trees in the Garden of Gethsemane, and basically Jesus kind of lectured me. Uh, He said to me that I had uh, created some karma in past lives, and he said that um, people had said things about Mary Magdalene and that they weren't true, and he told me not to be frightened to be like her. And he said that what really matters is the birth and how we're raised that creates the miracles in our lives, and that it's not... It's not what people are raised to think that matters. Right. It's what he was right. educating uh, me about. And he said that um, they had taken the word reincarnation out of the Bible, which I still haven't heard anybody fess up to that. So in case that one's true, it <laughs> still remains to be seen. Um, and he told me, which um, really is fascinating to me as an adult to look back on, he told me that there are seven senses. And he reminded me that um, the sixth sense was intuition, and the seventh sense is awareness, which he said to me then was perception without judgment. And he said that when we learn to perceive without judgment, we will learn to truly love one another. And he told me to be the observer of my life and to use common sense, and hopefully I'd live to Mm -hmm. make the second half of my life, where in the second half of my life he said I'd be teaching the truth about spirituality, and he told me I would be moving to the city where movies are made. (laughs) And and you did. (laughs) Yes, I did. That's actually where I met Mary. Right, absolutely. Well, now, did you tell anyone? I mean, did you tell your parents? Did they think you were kind of crazy? Did you just kind of keep it to yourself? No, from the moment I was rescued um, and placed in my mother's arms, I immediately started to tell her what I had experienced, and she practically threw me out of her lap. She was already mad at me because she, at that point, was blaming me for drowning myself. (laughs) Um, And... and, and I know why we're laughing. <laughs> well, it is kind of funny, you know. I mean, the whole whole life is funny if you can step back far right, enough to look right. at it that way. But yeah, I told her, "Hey, Daddy's not my daddy," and she threw me out out of. The, and I told her I'd been talking to Jesus, and she was like, "Ah, don't ever talk like that again, and don't tell your father." And I was like, "Okay." <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is, the, the funny thing.
thing is, though, as we go on the spiritual path, it's not like we have one thing happen and nothing happens. So as you're getting older, you're still having all these kind of like precognitive dreams. So what were they telling you? Well, I think the one that's uh, the most pertinent to this show is I started having dreams that I was going to have twins and one was going to die. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, I was like, wow, why am I having those dreams? Right. Well, especially when you're thinking of, wow, two beautiful babies, and then which one is it going to be? Yeah, exactly. And then what happened? At first I thought it was just like a nightmare. I didn't realize that it was precognitive. Right. So then what happened when you finally did conceive? Well, the night I conceived, I actually had a dream that I was told, you are now pregnant, and one of the babies would die, and I could see both of the babies. They were hovering up over me, and one had blue eyes, and the other had green eyes. And I was pretty freaked, to say the least, because now I'm actually pregnant. And at this point, I'm feeling like my mother was right. I must be the devil incarnate. And somehow, you know, I was going to cause this problem. So I was very communicative with my doctor. And, of course, they poo-pooed me. And then after they did an ultrasound, they were like, oh, you are pregnant with twins. So, and, wow. and at that point, I was so excited about it, I just sort of threw the nightmares that I'd been having out of my head. Right. More like, yeah, no kidding. So then your babies are born prematurely, and the doctors said they were both doing really well. So then what happened when you really continued to still warn the hospital? Well, I, uh, I had another dream. I called the hospital when the girls were 13 days old, and I said I had a dream that um, at the particular time, uh, one of my daughters, I told the hospital, the intensive care nurse, I said, I've been having a dream that one of the babies was going to die. This time I've been told it will be this baby, and would you put a special nurse with her? And the woman reassured me that I was a new mom and I was just panicking and everything was fine and not to worry about it and to go back to sleep. And then about four or five hours later, the phone rang and it was the intensive care saying that um, the the children had become mysteriously ill and that if I wanted to see this particular baby again, uh, that I needed to get to the hospital immediately because she was dying. Oh, and wow. uh, we we got in the car and drove, which, um, you know, where we lived, there wasn't a facility that could care for preemies. So we had to drive right. a couple of hours to get to the hospital. And by the time we got there, she was already dead. Oh, wow. Oh. So how did, how did that affect you? Well, um, I was insane, I would say, with grief. Right. Um, and at the time, I, I, I don't think I could allow myself to remember that it had all of these precognitive dreams. I was just so tormented. And by the time we got to the hospital, our other daughter had become ill with the same infection as the one that had died. And actually, there were three other babies that had gotten sick. And what they came to realize is that someone had gone into the nursery to take the blood of all the babies and didn't wash her hands uh-huh. So oh my gosh! It it distributed this um, infection to the children, and the only one that died of the five was my baby. And then three of the kids, you know, were permanently disabled. For example, one became blind, one was deaf, one had cerebral uh-huh. palsy, and then the daughter, my other daughter, is actually doing really well. She's thirty-seven years old today. So it's pretty fun that I'm doing the show today. Yeah, the show oh, today. Yeah. Oh, that's great! <laughs> Happy birthday! Yeah, happy birthday Absolutely. to all of us. Absolutely. So 
Now, you know, it's, it's bad enough losing one child. I cannot even begin to imagine. But then you had a second pregnancy with your son, Eric, but you then again began dreaming that you had another daughter in a different dimension. So tell I us about that. Well, um, I, we were told that I wasn't to get pregnant again because of uh, I ended up, I have, didn't tell this part of it, I ended up being very ill. I um, had uh, very severe clotting that happened in my body, mm-hmm. and I became disabled from that. So um, I was very young. I was only 23, but the doctor said, you cannot get pregnant again, but they wouldn't give me a tubal ligation. You know how funky right. they yeah. be. So they gave me a, a, what do you call those things, an IUD. Yeah. And I got pregnant again. And um, at, at the beginning of the pregnancy, they were all freaked out. They thought, you know, horror was going to happen. And they did a bunch of ultrasounds, and they said, you're pregnant with twins again. And we were like, what? And at first we were freaked, and then we were excited. It was like, okay, maybe right. this time. Right. But then um, later on in the pregnancy, they said, oh, it's just a fibroid tumor, and you're going to have one baby. So I gave birth to my son. And then for five years after I gave birth to my son, I still had breast milk. I still felt pregnant. I kept having dreams I was pregnant. And the last dream I had before I had to have an emergency hysterectomy because of an infection in my uterus, I had a dream that the baby was calcified. So when they went in to do this emergency surgery, what they discovered is that indeed I had a calcified fetus. So, And that's actually... I, I had this infection that went throughout my whole body, so nobody thought I was going to live. I, again, they didn't think I yeah, was wow. going to live either. So it was, uh, it's, it was an interesting thing to have your intuition, your mother's intuition, right. so right on, but to have it not you know, be respected or to work with a medical profession, it was like, oh, man, it was tough. Right. And then, of course, I'm still thinking there's something wrong with me, right? Oh, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, I can't possibly be the hostile or anybody else. Right, oh, right. Cat. That is me. I'm the evil one. <laughs> right. So then that this all leads to, to, your, to your last near-death experience, which was probably your most profound. So what happened there? Well, it was pretty wild, to say the least. Um, I was in the hospital, and I remember feeling like the bed was shaking, and then I felt like someone was trying to talk to me. And then all of a sudden it was like really silent. It was like my connection to this dimension was shut off and I was standing in a mist. And in that mist I was looking at a house full of people at a short distance away from where I was standing. And then this woman, all of a sudden, boom, she was standing in front of me. And she kind of looked like my mother and my sister. And then she turned and she faced me, and there was like this penetrating ray of love and attention coming from her. And I can feel her around me right now, too. It's like so intense. And she said to me, I'm your great-grandmother, and like you, I had twins and one died. And as soon as she started talking to me, I realized that I had been carrying the little tiny calcified-looking fetus. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I realized it, she was in my great-grandmother's arms. And my grandmother continued to telepathically speak to me, saying that I had fulfilled my sacred contract well, and she told me to remember it. She said that I had endured all this for a reason, and that ever since my first near-death experience, I had been open to and obeying my own inner guidance, even though it was so horrendous. And she told me that um, for me not to chastise myself or to think that the world was full of mistakes, that everything had a continuity and a pattern, and she told me that through all these traumas, everything was going to make sense, 
and that I was going to be of service to women. She said that I was going to be teaching other women and people, but mainly women and mothers, to trust uh, their own knowing, to have uh, telepathic communication with their own children before, during, and after uh, giving birth, and to understand that no matter how long a soul is present, it has a soul's purpose. And she was very firm with me in telling me I had to return to Earth, which i got to be honest with you, I didn't want to come. Right. I just wanted to stay there. It was so beautiful. Right. And she said to me, no, you have to go back. And she was quite firm. And she said, when you get back there, I want you to ask someone to look inside my desk and find the family Bible. And she said, inside of it, you're going to find a poem that I wrote about Christianity. And I really, really, really didn't want to go back. But she said, nope, you got to go. And the next thing I knew, I was back home, and she had taught me a particular skill of how to work with mothers who had lost their babies so that the mothers would understand right. what the soul's purpose was of their children. Wow. Wow. So you fast forward a couple of decades, and you're doing exactly what your soul purpose is as a metaphysical mother, as a baby whisperer. So how are you working with mothers and their children both in the womb and outside of the womb and actually developing their own intuition? Well, um, there, just today I got an email from someone who um, this woman really wanted to conceive at the beginning of the year, and she couldn't conceive for whatever reason. And most people wouldn't panic after three months, but her intuition was like, no, there's something wrong. So she called me, and I was able to work with her for a half hour, and she got pregnant within the week. And that's not, oh my gosh. that's not an unusual story, is that women have, they need their energy rebalanced. They need to communicate with the spirits of the babies. These babies coming in now are very, very, very evolved. And yes. they require the world to be different in order for them to come in, or they don't come in. And so wow. this mother knew that. And a lot of times, women who decide they do want to get pregnant, they may have had a history of either being on birth control for a really long time and their body doesn't mm -hmm. know that it's okay to get pregnant now, or they've had an abortion, and the spirit of that baby is still in their field. And so that can also uh, create an issue of why a woman can't conceive. So I like to work with people at preconception, and I like to work with people who are aware enough of conscious, consciousness and conscious parenting that they're ready to, to work with the type of skill set that I have to offer them. Well, wow. now, I mean, the thing, what you, go ahead, Janice. Oh, I was going to say, okay. what you do, Robin, is do you get into their like energy field and do you recalibrate? Yes. Okay. Yes. When they give me permission to do the work, then I go in and I combine my metaphysical mothering gifts, which are very unique, with my medical intuitive gifts and my psychic abilities, my clairvoyant abilities, my clair, um, sentient abilities to hear what these baby spirits are saying. Now, it's interesting. I see baby spirits around me all the time. This room that I'm in right now in Mount Shasta is called the Stone Room. It's a room in our house, but it's actually inside of Mount Shasta. And in oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's really powerful. Inside this room, there's like all these orbs of all these baby spirits. And mm. they're looking for parents. And so it's really fascinating to see how everything just organically unfolds. And I actually have a lot of men calling me, too, uh, for a variety of reasons around huh. thing. Or, you know, sometimes a guy's really upset that the woman aborted and she, he wanted to have the baby. 
So there's a lot of communication that needs to be occurring on a lot of levels that people aren't recognizing. Yeah. Wow. Well, let's talk a minute for intuition just kind of in general. So obviously, I assume you believe that we are birthed into this world with this master plan, this eternal blueprint. I mean, kind of like your life. You had all these certain things happen because it pushed you toward your sole purpose. Yes. I do feel that we at preconception have a a birth team that we meet with, we meet with the karmic board, and we figure out what is it that our soul is choosing to experience. And we set up a soul purpose and soul mission. And I think the number one cause of depression is people not being in alignment with that plan. Deep inside of themselves, they're, they're haunted that something's really, really off. And it's off because we're not taught to listen to, know, trust, and act upon our own knowing. And if you don't mm-hmm. do that, you don't co-create with your team and, and everybody to, to be on the road that you need to be on. And, and like my story, it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be pretty. It could be really messy. But that doesn't mean on a soul level that you're not exactly where you need to be. Right. Right. So then how do we start awakening these gifts without having, let's say you've had three near-death experiences, but without having those type of really significant experiences, how do, we, how do we do that? Well, the first thing I would say is set the intention that you choose to. And the second thing is acknowledge that there's an aspect of oneself that we call the higher self. And I mm-hmm. think that, you know, if anyone, before you go to bed at night, you invite your higher self to communicate to you in the dream time and perhaps you might even want to ask a specific question. And in the beginning, you might just want to have be a yes-no so that you can, you know, hear it and get an answer and maybe record it in a journal in the morning and then follow whether these things really happen. There's a lot of different techniques of how you can become at one with your higher self. But I think just, uh-oh, I'm going to start coughing here. Hang on a second. <laughs> well, you know, Janice, I know you work a lot with this, too, so... What would you recommend as far as trying to wake up uh, that the psychic ability within us? Well, you know, I feel I, I'm so interested in the way Robin is speaking because in a lot of the healing work I do, in order to really heal, you have to start working with that inner child. And so I was kind of wondering, was, was going to ask if the kind of work that she does, this conception, preconception, if you can actually do that for a person that is an adult that's lost their way and that you can take them back into that inner child mode so they can see what perhaps they didn't see before. I mean, that's what I do, but I, I'm I'm wondering if it's similar to what Robin does. I do that well, all the time. You, so you can really do that. They don't have to be babies. They can be 45. Exactly. It doesn't okay. matter. If you think about, if you're working with the higher self or the quantum energies, there is no time and space. You right. can shapeshift anything with your intention, and it's very exciting work. Most of my clients actually are not women who are wanting to conceive or parents who want to conceive. I would say probably 80% of my work are adults who choose to go back and, and reweave the story of their pre-birth experiences all the way up wow. into the present time. And it it t- completely shapeshifts, A, their ability to hear their intuition, like you just said, but it gives them a sense of authority and, and passage to their life that gives them a quality that they weren't experiencing before. 
And don't you kind of feel that that like blueprint that we come back with, that that is kind of imprinted on that inner child? And if that inner child is somehow abused or scared or something, that's the kind of the blockage that is there from allowing somebody to actualize? Well, how I see it is it's immobilized energy, and you probably see it like this too, that you see different ages or disassociated aspects of people that are sort of stuck in time and space because they literally refuse to grow up. And so when you take the adult to go back in time to communicate to those parts and say, look, I'm the adult now, and I hear you, what can I do to help you feel safe to come forward? And then you're right, when they come forward, they come with a gift. Yes. Wow, that's amazing. So then in what way... I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just very interested. Do you find that when you do work with inner child that a lot of these blockages and that, these fears, are basically in their emotional and mental aspect? Um, I would say... I don't know. It it seems like it is, but if you go a little deeper, it feels more like it's a a soul disturbance. I like to call it post-traumatic soul disorder. (laughs) I know we have... Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because really, where does that emotion come from? Well, it comes from we're taught in the mind, the mental body, that our beliefs, our organic beliefs aren't right. So we start adapting to whatever we're taught, which then makes us feel bad. And in the emotions, our feelings are the gateway to our spirituality. So once you acknowledge that and then you can time travel back, then you can start to communicate to the higher self, which is communicating to the soul, and then everything starts becoming very fluid again. You open back up that divine flow. Right. Wow. So then in what ways does our inner guidance communicate with us? I mean, is it, I mean, for me, it's kind of just a knowing. But are there other ways also that they can communicate? Well, I think that um, each person has a different way of knowing that they know that they know. You know, some people will get, you know, their hair standing up in the back of their head or on their arm. Mm-hmm. Or um, some people hear like a ringing in their ears if something's right on. You know, there's a whole lot of different ways. And I think the most important thing I'd like people to take away from this is that everybody is psychic. The word psychic actually has its root from the soul. And so we all have a soul. Well, how do you hear your soul? Each person is a unique way of, of aligning with that communication. And so each person asks yourself, how do you know that you know that you know? And feed that. And if you don't know how you know that you know, then find out. <laughs> right. I mean, I think that's the biggest thing is how we could actually learn to trust that intuition. Because you're always second-guessing yourself, like you're playing, you know, you're making this stuff up in your head. Well, if you think about it, we, come, we have been bred generationally to deny our own intuition, our own knowing. And so we have to literally, like, un- atrophy that skill set we have to um loosen it and shaken it and work at it you know if you go to work out you can't like go to the gym and be an olympic trainer all at once right you know, absolutely be where you are with the energy and then begin to very very gently allow yourself to experiment with it and i find it it's really helpful to work with a collaborator or someone who can validate, yeah, that feels right. right, or maybe it doesn't. You know, some people work with pendulums. I'm I'm not real adept at that. But there's a whole bunch of different ways. My my way is to work with another human. I really enjoy that. Right. And I think that's why a lot of people call into my radio show, uh, Mystic Radio, is because 
I can offer them either a tweaking of their perception or a validation of their own perception. Well, perfect. Well, we have about one minute left, so tell our listeners where they can find you and what you do. Well, I'd love it if you'd uh, come to my website, robinalexis.com. You can read both of my books there uh, online at the website, or you can purchase them at Amazon. Uh, you can listen to my radio show. The archive is right on the home page. I really encourage you to put in your cell phones a little alarm that goes off on Wednesdays at noon Pacific Coast time so you know when the show's on, and put in the call-in number so you can be one of the ones who call in and get a free <laughs> reading on the air. But also, if you're guided to get a reading, I love to be of service with readings, and you can get the information on how to get your own one-on-one reading on my website, robinalexis.com, and follow me on Facebook at Shasta Psychic. Oh, Absolutely great. wonderful. Thank you so much, Robin. This has been fascinating. We're, we definitely have got to have you back again. I look yeah, forward to thank it. Thank you, Robin. Thank you. All right, thank you so me. much. All right, Janice, it's time for Illuminations. 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 It's time for Illuminations. Illuminations. Food for your mind. Okay, Janice, you're going to have to make it quick. <laughs> I know. Well, this is by Douglas Gerald, and I thought it was gorgeous. It is a beautiful necessity of our nature to love something. Oh, that's beautiful. Well, mine is from the one and the only Robin Alexis from Robin's Song. Listen carefully, and you may hear the sound of your own connection to the sacred. Well, Janice, thank you again for another fascinating show, and thank you to our wonderful listeners for joining us once again. And remember, please email us and share your Heavenly Encounters at heavenlyencountersradio at gmail.com. Until our next show, be inspired, be empowered, and be well. You've been listening to Heavenly Encounters, A Journey to the Other Side. Good night. Good night.